This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello, welcome to episode 66 of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean, and Andy Halliwell. This week, we're joined by Will Goff. Morning, Will. Good morning. And Mark Millsy Mills. All right, Mark. Morning. How are you doing? Not bad, you? Good, yeah, good. So, like, on Friday, myself and Andy recorded uh, an interview with Phil Higgins, who has been on the... Uh, on Facebook and Twitter with his action group. And we've got you on, Mark, as well, because you uh, were seen outside boundary parties today with your flag and your megaphone. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fans doing their doing their bit special this week in light of the game getting called off as well. We don't actually have a, a defeat, uh, sorry, a match to talk about. You know, uh, we can we can focus on some of the some of the other stuff that's that's been going on. Uh the protest movement. First of all, on the game getting called off yesterday, massive downpours uh, in the northwest. It was pretty clear that there was going to be a pitch inspection. From the, from some of the pictures that we saw, though, it didn't look like it was massively waterlogged. It was a little bit of a surprise based on the pictures and from what people who got close up to the pitch said that, that it got off. But obviously, it was a referee's decision, so you know it, it didn't go ahead. It's a shame in it, but I mean, I think in terms of the games in hand and all that kind of stuff. And the league position now, Mark, you were just, Mark went really pale and looked sick. I was like, what's up with Mark? And he was looking at the league table, weren't you? Yeah, which I wouldn't have. <laughs> it makes for grim reading, doesn't it, now at this stage? Just some results yesterday that that didn't really, like you were saying though, Mark, if we wait, if we go on a little run, you can you can still pull away. I mean, yeah. Need some players. Yeah, we need some players. Well, I was just about to say that, that that's the point. So Stevenage won yesterday and Carlisle won yesterday, but they've yeah. both signed players this week. Stevenage have signed five players since the transfer window opened. Five. Mm. All of which would walk into our squad, may I? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, some some uh, decent decent um pros with a lot of appearances behind them at a higher level than bottom of bottom end in the league too. So they've done some really good business with Paul Tisdale, who's an experienced manager who knows the low leagues really well. Um, Carlisle have signed a couple of players. I think bringing a player back that used to play for them um, again, who's, who seems to have uh, you know quite a few appearances behind them. Um, yeah, they've gone on the bounce, haven't they? You know, they've 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 yeah. got some good string of results and moved themselves up the table. Yeah, uh, Scunthorpe obviously have, uh, surprisingly to me got rid of Ryan Loft, who ran us ragged the other week, um, sold into Bristol Rovers, and immediately got got a, another striker. In. So everybody's doing business, and we're sleeping. <laughs> Literally doing no business well, at all. Well, we, we do have the embargo, which of course Scunthorpe do as well. Correct. As do uh, Walsall. Uh, is it Walsall? No, it, was, Walsall. Swind- it was Swindon, Swindon, but I'm not Swindon entirely sure whether Swindon have got that anymore or, or, or indeed whether they've worked to a solution. But it, it's sort of immaterial anyway because we're at the top end of the league, aren't they? So yeah. concentrating on, on those around us, it, it, it's Scunthorpe, but they're still doing a, doing a bit of business and trying to move out. And we're just absolutely asleep. I mean, even when you look at the result yesterday, Scunthorpe, I know Tranmere are up to third now, but they they walloped Scunthorpe 4-1 yesterday. And like most, all right, Scunthorpe started to get some points under Keith Hill, the drawing games and getting some points. But the the standout result for Scunthorpe is that is that 3-1 thrashing of Latics. You know, everybody else has managed to get something off them uh, and we haven't. So... Um, like Barrett, you know, put up a good performance against Barnsley in the cup yesterday, and they, and they actually looked all right against Ipswich in the cup when I, when I saw him on telly. But other than that, they're still in the mix, and, and we we struggled against them. So the, it's it's the game yesterday getting called off. You know, I don't think many of us fancied our chances against Sutton, who if they'd have beaten us would have gone up, I think, into the top top two. So. Well, making them come back to us on a Tuesday night will probably suit us better. Mm. I think the difference between all the clubs around us as well is that they've all got uh, better coaches in charge right now than what we have, and that's where it all starts with. Like when we were, like when we went one goal up against Scunthorpe, um, and then it goes to half time, you can clearly see which coaches had the bigger impact on their players at half time. So you know you've got you've got to look at that first and foremost. You've got to look at the coaching. It's They've got it, and we haven't. Stephen Hidge has signed a good coach. Scunthorpe have signed a good coach. And what we are doing? Coaching and recruitment. 
you know, basically in it, those coaches being responsible for their recruitment, presumably, or at least working, you know, with, with people in within the football club that get them who they want. We have um, Mohammed. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of debate as to whether he's actually in the country or not. As an, uh, let, let's let's before we go on to the usual, let's talk about my, what you were doing yesterday, mate. Because you know, to all intents and purposes, you got up Saturday morning with your intentions of going to Boundary Park. Uh, to uh, I don't know if you were planning on going to the game, but uh, you was you were planning on protesting outside Boundary Park, and obviously by ten past one, quarter past one, whatever it was, the the game had been called off. But uh, just tell us about how you how you got to that point. Um, people might have seen you on social media, but if anybody hasn't, just tell us what you were planning. What I'd seen, I think the catalyst for it was, I'd seen a, a few threads of tweets that were fans not arguing with each other as such, but having a bit of a pop of each other saying, you know, when's the next protest? Or, well, are you planning it? Are you planning it? Who's doing this? Who's doing what? And I was just like, you know what? Do it yourself. What's stopping, what's stopping us from just doing it ourselves? If you're that bothered about it, get up. Stop sitting on your backside and do it yourself. You can't, and you can't just, yeah, it's great to push the boundary and people like this are organising mass protests, but it can't be done all the time to that extent because you've got to notify the police and, and things like that. And at the end of the day, I just thought, you can't just sit there and wait for instructions on what to do. You've got to be proactive and you've got to do something. So I thought, you know what, regardless of what anyone else is planning on doing on Saturday, I'm going to go down and I'm going to protest. Anybody else fancies coming along with me as well? Brilliant, great. So I went on Amazon, bought myself a little megaphone, um, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stand there, I'm going to shout them for a bit, see if I can get some answers, see if anyone wants to come out and talk to me. And yeah, that was that was just a plan. I didn't actually organise anything. It was originally just going to be me, me and my two mates were going to go down. Um, and then I think I just had a couple of other people say on Twitter, yeah, we, we'll, we'll pop down for a bit. And, and and that was it. It was nothing major. But I just, want, I just wanted to do something. Rather than sit there and moan about it on Twitter, I thought, I'm going to go to the ground and I'm going to shout about it. It probably won't do anything. But that's what I'm going to do. Music so to my ears, that, Mark. Music to my ears. That's what we've been saying on here for the last 16 months. <laughs> so it's really great to see people start, like, you know, really starting to do it. And 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 how did it go? Tell us about, like, just, you know, walk us through uh, what was presumably quite a soggy afternoon for you. Well, it was a bit It was a bit of a weird one, to be honest. So, I mean, I got there, I parked up at about half one. We walked down, we knew the game was off. We could see a couple of people walking up. And then we could also see a few gents walking down as well, down towards the ground, sort of elderly gentlemen. So I stopped, you, I stopped one of us, you know, the game's off, they didn't know. You weren't um, using your megaphone at the time, were you? You weren't well, going up to the... Oh, no, it's in the bag. <laughs> okay. So I walked down and, you know, I knew it was going to be called off, but I thought, you know what, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what I can do. And I thought, you know what, it might be a little bit better that the game's called off because I might be able to... Uh, to call someone, you know, to talk to someone, see see if there's anybody about. So I walked down Sheet Foot Lane, I got to the, the old club shop, I hung my flag up on the old club shop. I got my megaphone out, I walked to the, to the entrance, a couple of staff members there, and I asked them, is there any directors here at the club? And I got told that there wasn't. I said, is Stephen Brown here? Because I know that he's one of the ones that he's in the country. No. What about Adam Morrowy? No, no one's here. Okay, no problem. So... I think that was at about two o'clock that and we'd stood there for a bit. We chatted to some police who were very, very nice. And we had a small group of, of young lads turn up. Now, the group of young lads, I can I can only presume. Well, I, I know, I know actually the, the part of the, the young lads that have been trying to get us coverage, should I say. That's all that's the way I'll put it. Um and they didn't really help the situation, to be honest. They got wind that was a little bit of a protest going on. They didn't massively help the situation because they were trying to be a bit hostile. And, you know, I had to explain to them why we can't, we can't be acting violent or in any way hostile because we want to talk to people and we don't want to come across. Because one, one, one fan says the wrong thing to the wrong person and that's it. You know, all the fans then, you know, they all get tarred with a brush. So I spotted Stephen Brown in the entrance chatting to somebody and I was like, hey, up, he's, he's here. So I shouted at that. So this is when I got my megaphone. I was like, right, time for the megaphone now. <laughs> so I got my megaphone out. And the first thing I shouted down the megaphone was, where's our three-year plan, Stephen? Any news of this year, three-year plan? Um, shouted that a couple of times. The thing is, you get a bit of emotion come over you, don't you? So I started a couple of chants off, you know, like, who's the worst director in the football league and, and all that. And Bradley Knowles and, and Dom and Bin Man have turned up by this point as well. 
Um, but like I say, it was a bit disappointing because the game got called off. I was hoping for a bit of attention maybe or something and it didn't happen. But I thought I'd stick around and it was a good job I did. It was about five past ten past three, Stephen Brown walked out of the club, out of the front door. Now, I, I I was there straight away. and I had the young lads behind me. I was, To be honest, I'd rather they weren't there. But they were. So he was ignoring me at first. I was asking him questions. Um, where are the directors? Um, what's the plan? Why is there no communication? Why do you treat the fans with contempt? And he was ignoring him walking to his car. So I was like, I'm not going to get anything out of this guy. Now, to, to his credit, when he got to his car, he, he did talk to me for a couple of minutes. Now, when I say talk, I mean, he looked at me with a glazed over look for a, for a couple of minutes whilst I was asking him more questions. Loads of questions he ignored. A few of them he answered. The most important ones he answered to me were, are either of the owners, Abdallah or Mo, in the country right now? And he said to my face, no, they are not. Neither. Abdallah's not been here for months. And, I, and Mo's not been here for a couple of weeks. Now, take this with a pinch of salt because I've had a couple of people on Twitter say to me, don't, like I said, don't, don't know who's telling the truth, but I've had a couple of people say to me that they have personally, with their own eyes, seen Mohammed at the club in the, in, in the space of the last couple of weeks. So make of that what you will. I know for a fact that Mo was not at the game against Wigan in midweek, the 6-0 thumping. I did That's also get told that none of the owners or directors have been present at a match for months. None of them on a match day. Well, we, we, know, we, know, we, we, we know Mo's been, been watching out of the old, um, yeah. uh, the, the old uh, shop, shop window, window. <laughs> <laughs> towards the corner of the Roxdale Road and the main stand because we photographed him. He's been photographed looking out the window. So we know he's been look, watching out the window for certain games, not all. Um, but I, I'm led to believe he's not in the country. I'm led to believe he went back to Germany before Christmas. He's not yet returned. So that's so that, that, that's, that's that, well, that, that's that's what I'm led to believe. So we, so our recruitment, our director of recruitment, is not in the country, and our owner's not in the country, and there is no attempt to to uh, look for a manager. So I think what we've got to accept here is, for me, is Selim's in charge at the end of the season. We've been saying it since he got got the job anyway, and. Uh, it's highly unlikely we'll sign anybody. We might get an odd loan in towards the end of the end of, end of January, I would suspect. Um, probably once we've sold two or three players. And get a cheap free agent. I mean, there's there's the striker we've been linked with, heavily linked with, who's uh, had his contract terminated at that Irish club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One or two, yeah. Is a question for you. It is a question for you, Mark. Uh, this this may sound a ridiculous thing to ask. I'm, I'm almost going to... As I ask it, I'm almost going to uh, check myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. What Fingers Steve... on the edit button here. Go on. <laughs> yeah. What, what was uh, what was Steve Brown dressed like? Not very smart. Not yes. very smart. Not very smart. Standard suit on. It, it was a very, very weird interaction because he looks like a mix of he was about to burst out laughing into my face or he was about to burst out crying because he didn't know how to handle the situation. It was very, very strange. And then he wouldn't look at me. And then every now and again, he'd look directly at me and answer a question and then stop looking at me again. Um, he did he did really want to get in his car and go, but to his credit, he could have, the position that we were in, he could have just jumped in his car, driven off and gone. And he wouldn't have had to say it's, but it's very strange, very strange interaction to say. So, so if, if you're uh, you know, in certain industries, like you, you, your, your professional work attire, you know, what, depending on what, what, what industry you work in is, is slightly different. You know, I work in advertising, people wear all sorts of scruffy stuff to work. So I'm not really wanting to judge, but you, you would, you would presume if you, if you're um, very senior professional in a football club and you're, there's a match day on and you're welcoming representatives from the opposition you probably want to be a reasonably smart. It's a bit like having a business meeting, he business look, meeting with with external he people. Did look smart. He did. He did. He did. To be fair, I can't but, say he didn't. He just had a standard suit on tie. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, the point I'm leading you towards is that that's an improvement from Wednesday, when apparently he was just there in a scruffy pair of jeans and a jumper to welcome Wigan. <laughs> and right. so I had uh, I had people saying, you know, it, it looks it looks a, it looks a mess to be welcoming people from other football clubs. You should be that smart in Wigan, Andy. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. we got to get we got to get the odd dig, and they beat us six 0 We've got to give them a bit of stick, can't we? Come on, do you know what I mean? 
Here's someone else for you as well. Here's someone else for you as well. The secretary of the club, he supports Tranmere. I mean, nothing wrong with that. You know, support who you want. But if you're a club secretary on a match day, where do you expect the secretary to be? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Would you expect them to be in the way end with the Tranmere fans when Tranmere oh, visit? No, no. Shit, you're not. <laughs> Our secretary went in the away end with the Tranmere fans when we played them recently. I just don't think that's acceptable, personally. <laughs> we, we do things properly around here. <laughs> See, the, 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 thing, the issue here is, I, I, he's a young kid, right? He's not going to know better, probably. And he's, you know, Tramir up, I want to go anyway, I'm going to go in. The, pro- the point is, there's nobody at the club setting an example. There is nobody leading from the top. There is, the owner's not there. The, the, you know, his brother's hopeless. Uh, Steve Brown's in a, in a, in a jumper and jeans. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's just the leadership and the, and the sort of professionalism from the backroom team just sounds absolutely... Oh, hang amazing. on a minute, Andy. We, we got assurances from Abdallah recently that the, uh, for the, the he was more than happy, that, happier than he's ever been with the, with the setup in the, in the backroom and the, and the staffing, didn't we? Didn't we get Yeah, and every single one of them has since left the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you're right to highlight some of those things because, because it... it it just helps paint the, the bigger picture, doesn't it, of uh, of how the club's being run. So, Mark, you were anything happened after Steve Brown drive drove off? Or? Not really. It was it was it got quite quiet at the club. It was quite it was quite apparent that there was no other directors or any sort of people or representatives there. The only thing I did do after is did mention briefly before on Twitter. Um, I did briefly have a chat with the owner of Southern United. Um, believe it or not, a gentleman just walking past, looked very smart. And one of the young lads asked him if he was a coach. Uh, and he said, I wish. And he came over and said, I'm the owner of, of Sutton. So, yeah, I had a little chat with him. Seemed very nice. Obviously, a person that just liked football fans, um, which I thought was very refreshing. But other than that, not much happened. Ended up packing up and going. Saw a couple of the players leave and go. I would have thought personally that they'd be on the way to the training ground, considering no match going on, maybe. But, yeah, no, nothing much happened after that. It was, uh, It was just... That was it because the game was called off. I was I was gone. I mean, first of all, fair play to you for, for doing it. I think if the game hadn't have been called off and fans had been heading to Boundary Park, it would have you would have got more attention. You would have had more people joining in and that kind of thing. Are you planning on doing this regularly? Will you be there again against Leighton Orient or what? This is me every single home game now, mate. Until they're gone, every single home game I'll be stood there from from about quarter to two until the game starts. Probably longer, and that'll be me. Yeah. Will you be going in? Because you are. You got a season ticket, haven't you? No, no, I'm not at a season ticket. I've been oh, paying on the gate up until that's now. That's right. And yeah, I think I think it's just away games for me for now. So just on 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 um, the so, the subject of um, fans' feelings and stuff, we obviously put out the uh, the survey results this week. What did you make of them, guys? Did you have a Did you have a look? I mean, yeah. you participated in the survey yourselves and yeah. you had a I look. Mean, I mean, get, uh, give one or two questions where there was some ambiguity over the answers. It was pretty conclusive, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty clear what we all think. No yeah. shocks there. No, there's no shocks. It's uh, Obviously, f- for one reason or another, Mr. Morley uh, did reach out after this was, was put out, claiming that there was no prior knowledge of any of this communication with him. He'd not seen any of my missed calls, emails, text messages, etc. So uh whatever. Make that make of that what you will. But you know, Andy, you put out a tweet. <laughs> you, did you tag him in that tweet as well? Did, well I re- I've I replied or I quoted um the trusts sort of um reaching out to to morally so he would have been tagged in it. He would have seen yeah. it. And once he started yeah. to Light up with likes and replies. Presumably, he was getting his phone was pinging. Yeah, um, and he got in touch. To be fair, you know, and and then I tweeted like that. I'm going to have a conversation with him because I wanted people to. If we're going to put stuff out saying we're not getting a response, I think it's only right and balanced to put out we got a response or I got a response. Do you know what I mean? I think that's only the reason. That's the reasonable thing to do. You know, despite certain people on Twitter saying things like the only reason I did that was to make myself look good. It's not why I'm doing it at all. It's for that reason, you know. And then after, you know, I can't divulge a private conversation that I've just had 
with a lawyer who says this is off the record right it's like right okay <laughs> fair enough you can't then go out and spill the beans you don't really like yeah, get, careful, yeah, yeah. you don't gain any trust if, if you do that you have to you, you know you have to do what you have to do but it was an encouraging conversation but like everything when it comes to latics and it comes to the, the this board and this club we had a conversation I made some points and and, and like made some suggestions and now it's about action from the club so we'll see what what comes of it uh, because like people rightly say, it's all about, it's, it's words are, are useless at this point. It's about action. I feel that the club need to communicate with the fans about what the current situation is. And I made that very clear to Adam and he said he's going to go and pass that information on to Abdallah. So hopefully that will that will materialise and, and the club will give an update. But looking at the results of the of the survey, it's very, very clear that next season, a very very small percentage of people are intending to go to the uh, to go to Latics games and support Latics financially if the Lemsigums are still in charge, and that'll just it would just be a disaster for the club and for the Lemsigums if that's the case. So it's in everyone's best interest now at this point that there is a change of ownership prior to the start of next season, regardless of what division we're in, and it does look increasingly likely based on our league position, lack of signings, like we've already said, what's going on at other clubs around us, the games in hand that, that these teams have got, that that's going to be in the National League. But technically, we're still only a few points off getting out of it. So there is reason to believe, you know, there is hope, there's reason to hope until, you know, until it's mathematically impossible. So, so I mean, you say about getting new owners in, it, it, it is going to be next season. Oh, yes. Yeah, by, by if buyers do come in, you know, there's a whole process that they have to go through and, yeah. It will take a few months. Yeah. So, so we're we're kind of looking towards that, and I think you know there's not there's not a great deal we can do uh, this season to influence anything else. We'll just have to wait and see what the next move from the club is publicly, if there's going to be one, because they're not famous for you know one one statement in uh, in five months is not great, is it? And you know radio silence basically ever since but again it comes down to this who is responsible for doing it you know like Abdallah came on talk sport and you know that was a disaster when Adam went out on talk sport <laughs> it was a disaster because he was like you're killing the club and like, oh god what are you doing um Steve Brown's come out and, and done a couple of things which have been <laughs> disastrous you know more doesn't say anything so the, the club really don't and and I made this point to him to Adam and I said like you know this Who's going to deliver messages? Because it's really not, it's never good, is it? And they need to get that sorted or they need to, but look, I said that to Carl Evans. So we're, go, we're going around in circles, really. Said it to Natalie, we said it to Carl, we've said it to everyone. And one of these days, someone might actually listen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No one's going to listen at the club at the moment um, and no one's going to communicate at it's hard to see what they're actually doing at the moment. Um, if they'd have made a couple of signings early on in the window, it would have been different, but I just think, do they care? I, I, I don't they care think they do. I don't think they do, Mark. My, my, my conclusion, uh, you know, without, because there's, we're devoid of any communication from them, my conclusion is that, that they're, they, have, they would sell, but they want a princely sum. So that's yes. going to have to come down. And, 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 at some, and at some stage, that, that, that's going to have to come to a conclusion because I don't think, just as, as Matt just pointed out, I think, you know, we're going to be in the National League they're going to be, have even less money in the national league. Don't know. We saw this week there was a, a report that, that detailed some of the uh, some of the wages in the national league. Mm. Uh, Paul Mullin at Wrexham was on four four grand a week. Ben Tozer at Wrexham four grand a week. Paddy Madden three and a half at Stockport. It's basically Wrexham Stockport. Even Danny Rowan, Adam Rooney are on two grand a week at Chesterfield and Solihull. We can't compete with that. So they're they're going to be in absolute dire straits. So the, I think Halm Holt's on four grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, a lot of our players are on, reportedly on £800 a week, aren't they? Because yeah. that's what the, the embargo says we can pay them. So you can see how we would struggle. They could still flog three or four players, Baham Bula's furiously linked to Bolton in the week. You know, they could, they could sell Piagiani, Baham Bula, Kuto and Vaughan and make million quid and walk away with most of that. <laughs> the thing is, is that we, we on top of having those four players in our squad, we need another three or four players at least good quality signings. So if you get rid of those, then all of a sudden we need eight 
quality signings in the squad in January, which is just not going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, we can't afford to get rid of any of those players because it just increases the number of players we need to bring in. So, presumably, the transfer bargo remains in place. You get rid of some of your better players and then you're limited to basically free agents and people that you can afford to pay 800 quid a week. It's, that's not going to boost the squad, is it? No, but I, that's the point. I, I don't think the Lemsingham's now care because I, I think their heads will be in a position of, well, they don't want, the fans don't want us. They're being rude to us. We don't like it. Um, so we're just going to, we're going to sell it for the maximum money we can get for it. And we'll just take what we can out, out of it that's ours and and then they can sort, solve their own problems. So I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I think we just, I, I'm resigned and accepted to the fact that we'll be in a national league. But uh, the thing that might give me some hope is that we might have better owners that will give us an opportunity to stabilise again. Um, and I wouldn't be expecting us to bounce back immediately either. It'll probably take a while, but um, that, that's, that's all I can conclude is going to be the outcome of this. But to be honest with you, I'll probably take it just to to get rid of the state that we're in because we do we need rid we need rid of both uh, Abdallah and Mo and of course we need rid of we need rid of Blitz at the same time because th- these things just completely asphyxiate and strangle us. Um, yep. Which which might be a nice segue to talk about observations at the OEC this week. Some eagle-eyed people have spotted that there's been some director resignations from the Oldham Event Centre Limited and some new appointments. So. Blitz, Gazal and Anna Cochran have resigned their directorships of the OEC Limited and have been, in effect, replaced by Paul Whitehead, um, Simon Brook and Rick Dennis. And I saw a few people sort of talking about what that means. Um, if you look at persons with significant, with significant control over Oldham, Oldham Event Centre Limited, that still remains Blitz and Gazal. So Blitz and Gazal own it, but the directors, the, the officers of the company have changed. But... Uh, I also did note before Christmas, there were some company accounts submitted, new company accounts for the OEC submitted, and there was quite a material change in there. Um, so the balance, there was a significant balance sheet improval, uh, improvement sorry, from about 600, a negative 600 grand to a positive £70,000 up the financial year 20 to 21. So we're obviously some months on from that. And if you look into a bit of detail, it's basically other creditors reducing from about just short of 800 grand to 25 grand. So what I conclude from that is that some director's loans have been written off or, or paid back somehow or, or credit or, or credited against. So that, that would suggest with director changes and a cleaning up of the accounts that, you know, you might hope that that paves the way potentially for somebody to want to, Purchase the assets and take on the old events since limited. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, I mean, like you say, the persons of significant control are still Blitz and Gazelle. Maybe it's something that hasn't been updated there. Maybe they've transferred ownership. I don't know. Yeah, you, like you say, you'd imagine. You'd, I'd, I'd imagine that if you were going to buy the, you wouldn't buy. Would you buy the old? Would you take on the old events since limited without owning the the land and the building? Probably not. I mean, you could, but I suspect that it would be it would be one big transaction for the lot. But I think just the cleaning up of the accounts and the directorship changes suggest that to me that Blitz and Gazal are sort of paving the way or preparing to offload it, which is which is I think is probably a good sign. Who to? God knows, but <laughs> um, that's a good sign. What you you might know this on because. I don't mean to come off as like stupid or like a, a typical Biffo or anything, but um, what would it take for the club to to just own the entire ground and everything to do with the football club? And, and why why isn't that the case now? Technically, Blitz owns the land and the, and the buildings, and Abdallah yeah. owns a club. Yeah. In in theory, Abdallah has agreed to purchase those assets from Blitz to reunite them for the princely sum of six million quid. I'm not going to go into it again. I, I, I don't think it's worth six million quid, but we'll forget that. It, it, he's agreed in principle a price of six million pounds. So we know that was that was the going rate. Nothing has happened since, in principle, they agreed that, which was around March, April 2020. So you know we're pushing on for we're pushing on for two years ago that that was agreed in principle. So and and I can't imagine now that that Abdallah would want to do that on the basis that. You know, he, he's probably trying to get out. But you've also then then got the court case thing in the background, haven't you? So we know that that, that claim has been filed at court 
which is at the property courts in London. So we know that that uh, the club is trying to make a claim against the, the the landowners for something, detail of which we don't yet know, but I imagine it's in relation to the North Stand. I don't suppose he's going to pay at the minute any money for something that he thinks he can maybe take someone to court over. The bottom line right. is, is that Abdallah has had the opportunity. He could have brought it all under one. He just doesn't have enough money <laughs> or he's not prepared to spend or he's not been prepared to spend the money. There's been nothing to stop him other than than that, really. It's there. The, 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 it's for sale. Um, but it's five or six million quid that's been banded about. Is that purely de- decided by Blitz and Gazal, basically? Yeah, because it's because it's their asset. So, so they, they they could ask whatever price they wanted for it. Now, I, I, some people will say to me when, when I've tried to tackle them on um, on on the on the price of it, Will's grinning at me, is that there's been you know independent valuers will value the land and the, and the buildings and come up mm. come up with a value for them. Um, and the, obviously that that that's fair and true. Um, but ultimately, he can ask whatever. It's like you selling your house. I can ask whatever price I want for it. Whether someone is prepared to pay what I'm asking for it is an entirely different kettle of fish, but it's entirely up to him to sell it for what he wants. Uh, my my <laughs> issue, without going into detail over the value, my issue with the value is if you were to pay five to six million quid for the land and those four buildings, the amount of money you've got to spend on those four buildings to make them fit for purpose is probably about another five to six million quid. So it doesn't, you don't end up in a position where you might as well just build a new stadium for 10 million quid somewhere in Oldham because that would be easier than that. That's sort of my view on it. But ultimately... But talking about re- like repairing the, the, the stands and everything, that's that's on whoever leases the ground at the moment anyway. Well, to keep for the upkeep of them, yeah. You know, but but there's no real incentive. It's a bit like renting a house, isn't it? it for me, if you, there's no real incentive for me to put an extension on and put all the new... I'll just, I might give it a lick of paint here and there because that's in my lease. I've got to sort of look after it. But I'm not going to put new windows in and stick an extension on it and stick the conservatory on it. And do, I just Why would I? It's not my house. At the end of the day, this you're, you know, you're right. This, this does all need to come to an end so that real clarity on who's responsible... I mean, ideally, you want one party responsible for everything so that it's very very clear you know the club is responsible for the for the stadium and uh, it owns the stadium etc now there's also yeah. other other schools of thought as to where the town should own the stadium you know but then you end up in that whole well who's responsible again so it all needs this but a plan needs putting in place and clarification needs putting in place and finance needs putting in place for all this to happen yeah see i, see, I disagree that football club owners should own the ground because you look at things like Bury, you think, look at Sheffield Wednesday, you look at Derby. These owners can mortgage the mm. stadia and then put the club in massive amounts of debt and then you can't sell the club. You couldn't sell Bury. You know, Derby, there's that massive problem with, with trying to sell the club because of all the debts there. I think when it comes to... Council who, 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 and what, sorry? Council-owned, is that? Council-owned, fan-owned, or something around stadia that says that you can't you can't raise a mortgage on them because when you get dodgy owners they'll just say oh well, we'll raise some money for a transfer just keep mortgaging the stadium and off you go but either yeah. way you know we need to we, we need to make sure that we need to draw a line under this particular chapter and and work out a better solution don't we i think yeah. and the problem is is when you get into a position where there's a little bit of desperation around the whole thing which is where we're at now you can often find yourself not getting the best results, best outcomes. So again, that's something that we're very wary of. And we'll just have to keep our, our eyes on as best as we can, because, you know, we're not, you know, we are, we are privy to things, but we're not privy to everything. And it's, it's quite frustrating. But yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's very little good news <laughs> to uh, actually focus on uh, this week, as last week, unfortunately, but we didn't lose this week, which is good. And Mark, with his megaphone, is a good news story. And uh, we also spoke to Phil, told us about his experiences of trying to set up an action group on social media. So we'll, we'll cut to that bit now, lads, uh, and I've listened to that section. So thanks this morning for giving up your time on the pod. Uh, Mark? You, we will all see you with your megaphone next week, the late and Orient game. You will. And uh, keep up the good work, mate. We've got Phil Higgins on the podcast this week. Uh, Phil and I have, have been chatting on Facebook Messenger quite a bit, haven't we, over, over the last, I don't even know how long it is because I lose track of time now, yeah, Phil. Yeah, um, but... Um, 
you know, you're one of these people who's reached out and, and sent messages and, and then your frustration's been building over time. And, and you decided um, recently to start an action group, didn't you? you uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about that and what it was and how it came about, excuse me, about how it came about and everything? To be honest, it started initially with just another conversation on Facebook. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. And I found that in that conversation, the negative people were getting in the way. Mm -hmm. So I decided to put um, a group together because there was the idea floating around about the um, daily action uh, protest, daily protest at the ground. And so I messaged a couple of people to try and get a group together just to try and put it into place and see if there was the call for it. And within an hour, there were 200 people in the conversation. So the interest was clearly there. And quite clearly, there was too much interest for a conversation. So I put it into a group instead. And now I'm not on Twitter, so it was all on Facebook. I put it out there on Facebook, and then all these other ideas started shooting in. There was the emails um, going towards the sponsors. Uh, there was banners. There was stickers. An idea even floated about putting a hot air balloon in the air with banners hanging off it. But all ideas are good ideas. And uh, it just got people talking. And I think there's over 300 people in the group and it only lasted two days because it was a spectacular failure because of Scarfgate, obviously. <laughs> we all know about Scarfgate. It's very but, interesting. Um, it's very interesting, Phil, because one of the things that one of the main sort of like messages over the last 16 months or so on this podcast has been, what are you going to do yourself? Look at yourself in the mirror and, and stand up and, and, and do something. Uh, and, and you've yeah. done that. And, and how, well, how... I'll, I'll be honest, I've always been a very, when it comes to latics, I've always been a very passionate person. I've always wanted to do something. I was one of the, um, Back in the Chris Moore days, I was one of the 16 that went down to Banbury to the Torix um, demonstrations with the uh, the black electrical tapes writing all over his walls and everything. So I like to do things, but I'm maybe not the best sort of person to do these things because the implementation sometimes is run by emotion rather than ability. And the action group sort of spiralled out of control because I felt like people were suggesting things to me, but I tried to do it all myself. And I just didn't, I felt like people were saying, yeah, I'm in, let's get it done. But there was no support there to do it sort of thing. It was unorganised because I didn't have the capabilities to organise it myself. So they were kind of looking at you then because you started this as, this is my idea, go on, Phil, off you go and do it. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. And basically, I didn't want it to be like that. It wasn't my intention. It was basically intended to be more like a hub where people speak because the work that you do as a foundation and the work that PTB do is very good work. I back both of you to the hilt. It's brilliant. But you, you've got to be focused on the more important things, haven't you? Quite clearly, the communication with the club, uh, attracting new. Well, I guess, I guess that there's the potential for, uh, certainly for the foundation, definitely. Um, but PTB can be slightly um, more, well, they've got less shackles upon them, I guess, because they're not a shareholder in the limited company and therefore they are in in you know, in theory, freer to do more um, interruptive guerrilla type stuff, like, for instance, organising the protests, uh, well, like, for instance, organising an aeroplane going over the ground, like, for instance, getting some leaflets out, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. They, they're concentrating on the big stuff, the noticeable things. This yeah. was meant to be put in place to harvest the people to distribute the leaflets for them. Yeah, to to support to be the foot soldiers, for want yeah. of a better word, because everything from the outside. Obviously, I'm not part of either group. I, I support you, but I'm not actually on the boards of any. But from the outside looking in, it seems to all be all done behind the scenes sort of thing, and you'll message people as and when you need them. But 
you've always shouted there's not enough support. And I thought, what better way to get the support than to actually ask for it before you need it? Yeah. I mean, I think you'd like there's definitely some like really important themes that you've hit on there because at the end of the day, I, I've one of the mantras that I wanted to get away from with the new board was we're all volunteers and we've only got so many hours in the day and all that, right? But it, I mean, obviously it's true. Um, we need more people to help with stuff and PTB are limited as well. There's only four. So I, I think what you try to do is really, really commendable. One of the one of the issues that you do have when you're a, a group like us is that you, it's all right people put sort of like coming forward and saying, I want to volunteer, I want to do stuff, but it takes work to actually find things for people to do to facilitate that to organize that and that kind of stuff and i've been saying to people uh, that have been getting in contact with us now i've been asking people to say look if you've got an idea run with it do it you know like be proactive lead on it um, and 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 get involved that way um, by being a leader and being proactive I think what you've done and what, what that highlights is that 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 in itself opens up a, a whole other kind of worms and and has a, a a lot of difficulties. And I think that there's I think it's brilliant that you've tried. I think it's also brilliant that, that there's lessons to be learned from it. And I think part of what we're gonna obviously, like you said, we'll come on to what happened with the scarves and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think all that this is about is about really it's just about communication, it's about how you how we do things and experience. And learning because none of us have ever done any of this before. Like you say, it only lasted a short period, short amount of time. If somebody listening was thinking about doing something similar, or you were going to try it again, what would you do differently? Yeah, I've, I've actually already put um, a shout out to to do it again because last week was very emotional. It was very overwhelming. I mean, at one point for two days, I was basically on my phone constantly, and I highly respect you guys because you must be at it all the time, permanently. <laughs> But at one point, I found myself playing Cluedo with my two daughters and I, I wasn't concentrating on the game because I was on the phone to someone trying to get a payment for a scarf. And I thought, I can't be doing this. It's, it's just taking over my life instantly. So I'm actually put a shout out tonight again on the group asking for help just to sort of run it a bit better. People with organisational skills, people with business skills, people with whatever skills that they can come forward with but i've also asked for someone to run a twitter account because the amount of messages i were missing it's it's just i'm not capable of doing it i've got the ideas i'm a very creative person with ideas but implementing them is another matter i think if you're going to organize a group to do sort of uh, interruptive or uh, small campaignable ideas it would be great to coordinate or just converse with ptb about what they're doing, so that when what you do, it it, it interlocks and complements, and and they mm. and they and they try to work together. That that for me would probably be be a learning as well. But yeah, no, I th- I think if you've got the motivation, Phil, in, and you you do need a team of people because you you simply cannot do it on your own. No, you, like, you can't do it when, on your own. When Matt was an oldie for two weeks at the back end of last year, and I'm running the podcast, and I'm just absolutely the things that are going on every, all throughout the week. If there wasn't two of us, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, and the same for the PTB lads with those four, and and obviously our trust has got what six people, um, eight, eight of us, isn't it? Eight, eight, two eight volunteers, yeah, two yeah, two yeah. co-opted directors. I was going to say mm. six directors, two co-opted, but they need more more people as well because it it is. You know, there's so much to to do, and yeah, like you say, your phone's pinging off. I don't know how many messages we get a day, Matt, but we're looking at hundreds. I, I would, I mean, I wouldn't. I try and get on them and deal with them as they come in, because otherwise, you're just left with this ridiculous number of WhatsApp messages and Twitter messages and Facebook messages and whatnot, and you can't. Then you can't get through them because you just go, yeah. "Oh, sod this," you know. Like you say, when I was away, that was, and I wasn't looking at my phone. I was looking at it at some points. And, you know, you've, you've not looked at your phone for an hour or two hours. It's like 56 messages. You just think, you know what, I'm not going to bother with that. I can't be bothered. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's just like, but many hands make light work and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that we're, we're at that point where the club is in a real, real pickle at the minute, as we know. And we do need to all pull together. But I think it's, I think it's important and it's relevant to what you said about, like, you know, you taking action back in, uh, back in 2003, round or four, whatever it was, with Chris Moore and mm. all that kind of stuff. You know, there were people that were very active back then. Uh, and then you have this kind of like long period of inactivity. And it's almost like you lose some of the DNA of 
what to do and how to do it. And I think it's that kind of like state of being in, trying to maintain a state of readiness in a time of yeah. peace is very difficult, isn't it? It was kind oh, of like, and, and so I think what we have to try and learn from this is that, uh, is how to do these things again, obviously, uh, you know, en masse, um, and also to make sure that we learn from our mistakes and that we that, that we carry that that knowledge and that learning forward. And, and hopefully that, that we're always kind of a bit more ready going forward. And hopefully it's not needed. It's, but the point is not about whether it's needed, it's about whether you're ready. You know what I mean? And, and we're, mm. I think there's a lot that we can learn. I think that we're, I think there'll be people listening. They'll be thinking, talk about the scarves, talk about the scarves. So let's, let's, let's talk about the scarves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the scarves, Phil. Well, obviously it started, like I said, with the, the group chat and what have you. And then, these ideas started pinging in. There was there was ideas about the email to the sponsors. The the scarves was on there. The banners uh, above the motorway bridges. And someone mentioned the scarves, and I thought that's a great idea. And it is a great idea. And I immediately jumped on it in my naivety, and I tried to do it myself. So it got suggested to me to go towards somebody. And in my naivety, I didn't look into the background of it, and I just trusted that another fan would want the best for the uh, club and the trust. So I, I left that side of it and I just did the selling. Com- at this point, completely unaware, this is where communication with um, the trust comes in, uh, completely unaware that you was actually already working on something, predating all of this. So I started taking payments. I got, uh, I think I sold 15 or 20 before it really kicked off and I started getting the abuse I got all sorts of abuse. It was it was stupid. You you taking a cut, you making the you creaming the coffee. Then it started getting beyond the scarves. You you just creating another group to be another PTB. Well, it's not another PTB. I mean, the PTB do great work, but this was meant to complement them. It sort of then became all about scarves, and the emails were forgotten, the banners were forgotten, but people kept messaging me like, "What do I need to do now?" I'm like, "I don't know." I really don't genuinely know because it snowballed that much. I was just completely overwhelmed under an avalanche of scarf shit. <laughs> where, 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 was, where was the criticism coming from, Phil? Where, who who was like? Not I'm not interested in individuals, but what, what from what quarters was the was the um, criticism coming from? Was it just Facebook? Um, on Facebook. Well, it, there was a lot of private messages. I got called. Um, I'm not going to go into expletives, but I got called all sorts of names just because. They said I wanted to put my face out there. Mm. <laughs> I mean, have you seen this face? It's not a face to look at. <laughs> <laughs> but even, um, I mean, in my brief fairly onto Twitter, even Barry Owen called me brain dead. I, w- and, I wouldn't worry about that. Bar- Barry <laughs> oh no, far from it. People, a lot of names. Far from it. But I thought, I thought to myself, no, if I was brain dead, I'd be on the board of directors at the club. <laughs> I'm disappointed if Barry Owen isn't calling me brain dead to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but well, this yeah. is the thing but with the, just before we hit record we started talking we were talking about the difference between Facebook and Twitter um, I have Facebook accounts because I've got pages that need managing and things that need to go out on there and stuff and I'm members of some Oldham groups on there um, and so I post links to the podcast and various bits and bobs in there for the podcast or for OASF or whatever. But it's it's definitely a different audience in Facebook. And I think one of the main reasons for it is, is that you can be part of a certain group on there. And what I love about the hashtag is that when you put hashtag OAFC, it's open to everybody. And, and the conversation is much, much broader. And anyone yeah. can dip in, like fans from other clubs can dip in. It's all, you know, it's not... On Facebook, you end up get becoming these groups become quite clicky, don't they? And 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 they attract like you know the the, the term echo chamber where everyone's saying the same things because it suits everybody, and anybody who comes in with a different opinion sort of tends to get get hammered for it. And 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 it seems to me that you've you've took a bit of that on from the Facebook side of things. I don't know if it's, you know you've not been on Twitter, so you've not experienced it on the other side. But mm. yeah, it sounds like the Facebook crowd is a tough one. See, the idea was to um, dilute the negativity. And obviously, it's um, when you set up a Facebook group, it's you've got to be approved. So all the people in that group were supposedly um, anti-regime. 
that was the idea to to nullify all the negative comments and just to try and get things done really but i think the abuse came through twitter because like you said that's where the just another ptb comments were coming from i think facebook works in that respect because right. everyone was on the same side okay sort of thing if you get me yeah yeah okay so it wasn't so much in facebook it was more on twitter no it was it, it was more twitter and okay. then um, i'm taking my own prejudices in prejudices into this conversation then. <laughs> mm. well obviously to get numbers into that group initially i've advertised it on all the fans groups and there was a lot coming through that as well so there was stuff on facebook but it was not actually on the group it was from other people coming from other pages right so, so what so why why were people accusing you of taking a cut basically the scarf was we put the scarf up for sale for 15 pound Mm-hmm. And I got told it'd be thirteen pound, uh, sorry, twelve pound, with a three pound cut to the trust, the contingency fund. And I just accepted that. I just accepted it because I, I, I ain't got a clue how much a scarf costs to make. And when Brad messaged me saying he could do them for a fiver, I was like, whoa, that's a far better deal. Just to skip back a bit there, Phil, I think what happened is this is where I kind of like was involved a little bit because you and I started chatting and you were chatting about the scarves, and then you mentioned about the price of the scarf, 15 quid and three quid to mm. the fund. And I said, because for me, when it comes to this kind of stuff with merch, the way I look at it is I'd rather someone donate 15. When we talk about saving our football club, I'd rather someone donate 15 pound and get nothing in return, physically like a scarf, rather than, yeah. you know, pay 15 pound and we get three. And so I was, I'm looking at it from the point of view of let's get as much money as we can in uh, and not, you know, it, it, it go anywhere else. And so we had that conversation. I didn't know that you, what was going on with you buying scarves or who you were buying scarves from or anything like that. And then I had, I had started having the conversation. Because what happens is I have a conversation with people and then that conversation, like the one I'm having with you, ends up in another group. Like So then it yeah. starts getting spread out and I'm talking to Brad and said, look, I'm talking to Phil and he's in his scarves and blah, blah, blah. And then Brad said, oh, I got a quote for scarves before Christmas and they were a fiver and we could do it. So this just kind of evolved. And then what happened is the person, the fan who was actually producing the scarves kind of got wind that this was all happening. And all this was happening in a kind of like very off the cuff kind of way in the background. Like there was no intention from anybody within the OASF to sort of like come in and steal on the deal. It all just kind of happened through the result of a conversation, which was these scarves are being made they're going to cost this. And then Brad said, oh, I've had a quote for a fiver and then sending that on to you. And then what happened then after that? I start, see, I started getting messages like, and this this just doesn't compute with me. I don't understand this argument one bit. So you might be able to shed some light on it. But people were saying to me, I want Abdallah out in the club, but I don't support the trust. And I don't, I don't get that argument because to me, the club's dead. It's all about the next stage. The club that I know is dead. The only way we're going to get that back is getting Al out of the club. So- well, the, 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 there are some people out there um, that might have a historic view of the trust. Remember that. Remember the moniker "Don't trust the trust." It's not so long ago that that was that was quite regularly c- circulating in in social media formats. So we're only a matter of months into a new board, of which obviously Marty's one, and so there may be a hangover with that. And there are also some people that don't think that that the approach that the trust is taking, which is a more forceful, confrontational approach, arguably, for, compared to the previous incarnations of it, is the right way forward. You're never going to please everybody. So mm. I, I guess you I guess you're gonna some people may not be happy with the approach of the trust. But I think for me, and and I'm you know, I'm speaking independently, I'm a member of the trust and and also I'm a you know, I, I pledge my sport to PTB just like you do, Phil. Uh, for me. The, the tacit proof is in um, trust membership numbers. Pre the new board, those numbers were at 200 odd people. Yeah. Now there's a thousand people that are, that are members of the trust, and that that to me is 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 the endorsement. So if you if you quadruple your membership by changing your course of action, I'm sorry, that's the right course of action to take, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just unfortunate that there's not more people agree with that, and then we could all back for the same side and get things done. The thing is, there's a lot of different things involved in this. There's a, there's a there's a lot of bollocks spread on Facebook groups and within people. People talk, you know. There's a lot of people don't like me, don't like other. I'm not, you know, and I'm not bothered about that. I'm like my. I feel that I've 
behave with integrity in what is, like you said, Phil, early difficult situation, um, trying to do what's best for the club, uh, not profiting out of, of anything. If, if I ever end up profiting out of this podcast, that's because I've put a lot of hard work into the podcast and it, and it becomes successful, but I don't make any money out of the podcast, don't make any money out of anything to do with the trust. It's not about that. It's about what the real value is, is getting to meet people, getting to know people, pulling the fan base together and trying to achieve something brilliant, which is to try and serve our football club. And there, unfortunately, there are other people out there with agendas and want to like criticise people and spread lies and, and all this. And it's it's just part of, part of the course, unfortunately. But what, what annoyed me about this whole thing is that before we knew it, there was there was messages out there on, on social media slagging the trust off. But for me, it's about getting the best deal towards this fund not that that was a conversation I ever had with anyone, but that was just, I think that that is the most important thing. If in your mind, the idea was to make money for the trust, you're going to go with the deal. And again, it's all about communication. Uh, and sometimes things work well, sometimes they don't. But I was having to contact people on saying, hang on a minute, you don't know. People were jumping the gun and said, this is disgraceful. Oh, look at the trust up to their old tricks. Like, whoa. Just, yeah, I apologise for that. No, it's fine, but it's not. <laughs> you got a shit storm over two days, so yeah. But people need to just take a step back before. This is the thing about social media, you know, jumping in and like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know the full facts. And just because somebody's told you something, somebody says something, that doesn't make it true either. There's two sides to every story. So it's really, it's very emotive and it's very reactionary. And we have to be, we just have to be really careful because the mm-hmm. idea at the minute is pulling together for the greater for the greater good, see, isn't it? I do actually think there is a um, a place for the action group because in its very short life as a concept, we did get two or three nuggets of information. Obviously, I've passed them on. I don't know if you want to divulge them. That's entirely up to you. Um, whether they went anywhere, I don't know. Um, well, they got passed on, as they do, to the wider group and all that kind of stuff. So it's always helpful when we get, leads and information and tips and stuff you know yeah but there obviously is a place for it it's just utilizing it so what should we do what should we do about it what should we do about i mean what for for me it's kind of like if you can if you can if somebody can sort of like i mean we have volunteers for the trust and we know that it's difficult we have to you know just put out a skills audit this week and we're we're looking for for people for for professional let's be honest professional people that can help us with some of like you said earlier on some of the nitty-gritty stuff the the the, the law stuff the, the you know the the real stuff you need qualifications for and expertise for um but sometimes we need people doing other things uh which is just time and effort I mean, you know posting things with letterboxes handing out leaflets whatever it may be and there's definitely definitely a need for for that kind of group to manage itself. And I think that's important. It's not down to say you, Phil. I don't think that was what you were setting it up to do. You wanted people to sort of liaise, I guess. Yeah, just talk, talk organise themselves amongst themselves kind of thing. That's exactly what it was. And uh, I, I sort of ended up doing it all, which is what was its downfall. You could almost do with getting, getting half a dozen people together in a pub and then between you divvying up some roles. And then well, that, taking them on. That's online. basically what I've asked for. Yeah. Well, that's what I've asked for tonight. And there has been a couple of people come forward saying, I am interested. What's the what's the crack with it? And then Whether and then and then just make sure there's a, a, an open communication between PTB and the trust and then crack on. Yeah, like, exactly. Like people are always saying, like, you know, when you put something out, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Right. So there's like no one has more ideas than I do. Like that sound like Donald Trump. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I have a lot of ideas and I, I, a lot of, I'd love to, there's millions of things I'd love to do, but it can only do so many things, especially with the podcast and the trust that can only, it needs, that responsibility needs to be shared around so that everybody who has these ideas and, 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 and their own individual kind of enthusiasm starts to actually do it themselves so that, because we can't do it all. We can't possibly do everything. It's just impossible for us to do every idea that we have one of the ideas I had was about team captains in different areas of the town. It's like like localised supporters clubs. And I'd like to run it through the trust. But like, you know, if you're in Shaw, if you're in Wrighton, if you're in Chadderton, if you're in Werner, if you're in Hollywood, like or wherever you are in the borough, being that person, being that one person in that area, 
that organizes meets in one particular pub or wherever it is and being the the person that hands out the leaflets picks things up and and start to build up if it starts off as just you and then you and one other person then you and this and just build up that little area so that we've got this network where individuals in each little tiny in, in each little area of Oldham is represented and that to me is something that can be that can be grown and can be developed so maybe that's a an, uh, an option for how you might want to think about working it having a, a leader or a team captain in each area of the town you see what i was thinking is maybe it's time to come away from facebook and twitter and i know you've been calling for um, a fans forum for a long while why do we need the club to attend a fans forum why can't we bring the realistic lot together ptb the foundation together I'll meet in a pub and just get the boxing gloves on, bang it out, and then we'll come away with something at the end of the day. I can, I can, I can think of a million reasons why. <laughs> why not? <laughs> I think well, there's two different things there. The fans forum with the club is a different thing. Like they're obliged. That's to a different kettle of fish. With, yeah. But so to have like a fans forum for fans and fans group is another thing. And we had a, we had a trust meeting last night. And, you know, one of the directors raised the point about, you know, engaging with all the different groups and all the, and I would say, well, who are they? First of all, like, you know, and who's represents them? And how have we, I've tried everything with people like the True Blues and all this. We keep trying to reach out. You know, it takes two to tango. Like we, we can't just be, it can't just be us reaching out to them all the time. They know our position. We tried as much as we kind of got a podcast goes out every single Monday for them to listen to communications through different Facebook groups. If people want to have a meeting, it's like with the True Blues, if they've got an opinion, where's their polls? Where's their surveys that tell us what their strength of feeling is? That's up to them to produce. We're doing it. Mm. We're producing our stuff because we have the because we're doing it. We're doers. There's difference between as you as you've just alluded to, Phil, with your experience. There's doers and there's talkers, and we're not we, we don't need talkers now. We need doers, and doers don't wait to be told what to do. They just get on and do it. And that's the difference. That's why people mourn about what PTB do. Because PTB have got off their ass and done it. That's why. If you want to get off your mm-hmm. ass and do it, get off your ass and do it. I'm here doing this and I'm on the foundation because I've got off my ass and done it. So if you've got a problem with that, get off your ass and do something about it and 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 become, you know, put stand up for the election and all the rest of it. It's it's a case of don't mourn unless you're prepared to do something about it. And that's what you get too much of on social media and whatnot. I'm more than happy to meet up with realistic group, any group in a room and, and shake their hands and say, come on, like, let's forget everything. Let's move forward. What are we going to do? Let's, let's be mates. We're Oldham fans. We all work, you know, if we're in the terrace, we're all singing the same song. It's, it's no different. So I'm more than up for that. But if you, Phil, make it happen, mate. I'll, I'll come. I'll come <laughs> be that your first action from your action group. <laughs> I'll be there. Well, got it with that easy. <laughs> If I put an invitation out, if I say like we'll do it, we'll do a focus, we'll do a meeting, fans for. Do you think they'll turn up? You know, I mean, my, my messages get ignored and whatnot. So what? There's no, it's, there's no reason to expect that they'll actually turn up. So yeah, well, I'd be more than I, I, I don't carry grudges. I'd be happy to to talk to anyone and say let bygones be bygones. We we, we spent a lot of time, Phil, um, myself, Matt, and Steve Shipman, going through lists of people that don't. Um, necessarily agree with the view that we have on the podcast and we've we literally gone after them one by one do you want to come on we know you don't agree with us come on and tell us what your view is you know we've had we've had people lots of people on the podcast everybody who comes on gets treated respectfully we had Barry on you know we, we mm. didn't swear we, didn't, we weren't rude to him we're like, we, we were treating him with the respect he deserved we'll have anyone on and treat them respectfully and, and there's you know scores of podcasts to prove that, that we would be but nobody wants to come on. Of if if they have a diametrically opposed view or they're critical, they won't come on and and, and have that conversation. No, I'm just wondering whether it's it. In my experience, I don't know. Obviously, you'll know better than me. But in my experience, it tends to be the old generation that are against what PTB and the foundation are trying to do. And I'm just wondering if they're a little bit wary of the podcast approach. I, you know what I think, right? Let me be perfectly honest. The, the, I think that deep down, if they admitted it to themselves, and they might not do, they feel responsible. A lot of people feel the response because they've done nothing, right? There's a lot of people that have just turned up at matches, 
gone through the process. All you've got to do to be a supporter means going to the games, right? And that's it. And, you know, they've sat there and they've watched it all happen and they've done nothing about it. Maybe they feel a little bit responsible, even on a subconscious level, that, that people like us are standing up and saying, no, turning up to every game is not enough. Watching your team and your club slide into non-league and potential oblivion and clapping and, 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 and saying you've got to support the team is not enough makes them feel bad about themselves. Yeah. And they don't know how to address that feeling, so they take it out on us. There's, there's a lot of psychology that goes on that, that isn't talked about, but it's all psychology and it's all people displ- <laughs> displacing their own emotions and feelings about themselves onto other people. That's what, that's what you see on social media. That's why I don't take it personally when people start slagging me off on social media, because what it is, is a direct reflection of them and their personality and what they're struggling with and when it tells me more about them and their issues than it needs to than it does me about mine you know mm-hmm. i've got me on and i'm aware of what they are and that's okay because i'm not perfect but i've got the courage of my convictions and, and, and enough integrity to believe and to know that i'm doing what i'm doing for the right reasons so if people call me names and tell me that i'm this that and the other i don't give a flying what they say. i just do not care because it doesn't buy it doesn't affect me because i'm secure enough in myself Whereas these people throwing the shit are really insecure. And that's what it's all about. And sometimes people don't like to be reminded of that, but that's true. If, if you've been a happy clapper for and, and watch all this go on, uh, maybe you feel responsible and, you, and you're blaming the people that are now trying to do something about it. That's, that's my take on it anyway, yeah. as, an amateur, as, a, as a pop psychologist. <laughs> Boundary Park Alert System is produced and hosted by me, Matt Dean. Additional support and research is by Andy Halliwell and Steve Shipman. You can follow me on Twitter at MattDean78 and the show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at OAFC Podcast. Don't forget to download the Fan Hub app and listen to the show there or by visiting oafcpodcast.co.uk where you can support the work we do by visiting our online merch store, read our blog and get in touch. If you'd like more information about Push the Boundary, visit pushtheboundary.co.uk and if you'd like to know more about Oldham Athletic Supporters Foundation, please visit trustoldham.org. Remember, this is your club and you can have it all, but how much do you want it? Thanks for listening.